0: This is Jesus from the Fanable Podcast Network, and if you are driving on the long drive, make sure to pull over if you see the following hitchhikers. Thomas Seymour Turner, Ernie Carafa, Girl in Gold Boots, David W.F., Night Spider, Mathias Pills, Unheeding, Eric, Sekana Gaudi, and Nielsen Harrow. Thank you for your support and safe driving. Two friends find themselves back to where all the horror began. With a man of oil and fire stalking the outside of the sanctuary, our two protagonists must find an escape. With the doors ablaze and the shadows watching, they find their desperation pushes them towards an exit that is both crawling with mystery and swarming with despair. Welcome back to episode three of The Long Drive, Against the Windshield, brought to you by the Fandible Podcast Network. Hey everybody, this is Billy, and welcome back to episode three of The Long Drive. How y'all doing today? We are here with David and Angela, and I'm glad to have you guys. You ready to get creeped out and all that jazz? Bring it. Are we there yet? <laughs> the true horror of any long drive,
1: that and having an infant in the back seat. Oh, infant. I thought you said infinite backseat. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Go on. This is not Planescape. <laughs> oh,
0: God. <laughs> so where we left off is we've split the party, which is what every game loves to do. Jesus, who is playing Hank, has taken Charlie, the other Charlie, or maybe the real Charlie, we don't know yet, in the car to escape, well, the oil man's truck as it's chasing them down. Of course, Lee had gone into a nearby bus to find another Charlie, maybe the real Charlie, and while he was there, he met up with the oil man himself. The party was split. The oil man chased Charlie and Lee into the nearby rest stop, the rest stop where they had originally started this whole horror setting with. And now that's where we're at. Lee, five minutes ago, Hank took the car and drove it as fast as he can back onto the highway. Through the glass, you saw the truck of the oil man, even though there is no driver, follow after him. Its engine growling and that reverberation filling your bones with terror as it passes. Of course, you've been a little busy yourself to focus entirely on Hank. Standing outside of the rest stop, staring at the both of you, is the oil man himself. A hulking figure that is close to maybe seven feet tall, easily over 300 pounds, wearing stained overalls and a welder's helmet. The oil man is holding what looks to be some sort of jury-rigged flamethrower, and while he hasn't followed you into the rest stop, he is just staring at that door, occasionally firing his flamethrower at it, engulfing it with flames. blackening the glass there, but so far it's holding. It's not breaking or cracking or anything. He seems almost, like, annoyed that he can't go further.
1: Lee, what are you doing? Catching my breath, ducking behind. You said we're in a rest stop? Yes, it's more of a welcoming center. There's not much
0: here. There's a couple of vending machines, like I said before, and in the middle there's that desk with some old flyers on it, a broken telephone, that wasn't so broken when you were last here. And then of course, in the side rooms, you definitely spot what is the
1: two restrooms, women and men. Lee is in between gouts of flame from the inconvenienced psychopath. He is wedging a chair underneath the handles of the entrance into the welcoming center and then running and hiding behind the desk. Even though he's not approaching and trying to get in, it feels a little bit more
0: secure than it had been a little while ago. Charlie, you've had quite the night. Not only have you been ditched by your friends, left at this creepy ass rest stop, you've also experienced a little bit of horror yourself. You keep on feeling as if there's bugs everywhere crawling on you occasionally. You, you occasionally reach over your shoulder to swat at something, but there's nothing there. And even though you were, you were never a fan of this rest stop, you didn't realize how terrifying it was until you were back in it. And then, of course, let's bring up the elephant in the room. You saw yourself standing next to Hank outside. And the look that you gave yourself was the look yourself was giving to you. Both of you were scared, terrified, and while you would have thought seeing your doppelganger would immediately fill you with like, you know, anger or annoyance that someone has taken your face. You don't feel that almost because it felt like you were absolutely staring at another you, not somebody wearing your face. It felt like it was you. It was an incredibly weird feeling. How are you doing right now? What are you doing, Charlie?
2: Charlie is already behind the desk and she is very jumpy. And like as Lee is wedging that chair under the door, like every clank, every squeak of it jiggling into place causes her to jump again, as well as, you know, she keeps swatting at her, her shoulder shaking out her shirt with nothing there.
0: Angela, if it's okay with you, I'd like you to make a Courage roll. Difficulty 6, and that's just a virtue. One success. For a brief second, you feel that terror begin to rise, as if you're stuck, and you're claustrophobic, and the walls were closing in, but you close your eyes, and you concentrate, and you focus on your breathing, and you're fine for now. Well, as fine as someone can be in a situation like this, but for now, you, you aren't panicked though i'm sure you're curious uh, as to who the hell is outside shooting a flamethrower at you
2: so when lee makes his way back behind the desk as well a very panicked charlie just says who is that who is that
1: uh okay, um hmm. uh long story short he's he's a bad guy he's a very bad guy
2: well obviously good guys don't don't shoot doors with flamethrowers <laughs>
1: The long and the short of it is there are some very bad people around here and there are, uh, and they're trapped here and, uh, he's one of them and he's very bad and he is named Oil Man. Uh, and I I guess the rest of his disposition is really summed up in the procurement and liberal use of a flamethrower. Uh, and he also has a car that hates people.
2: Oh, Billy. This Charlie doesn't know anything about people being trapped here, right?
1: No,
0: no. You were never part of this whole ghost story until now.
2: Wait, trapped? Wait, car? What? You are making no sense.
1: Oh my god, that's right. Um, Okay, Uh, we are in a place that may have people trapped here for reasons and they kind of haunt it. It's the best shorthand I can think of. And we talked to somebody who used to sell stuff on the highway and he gave us this walkie talkie and Lee holds up the walkie talkie. Uh, and, uh, we were told by, uh, a, a, a sheriff that, um, that, uh, the, 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 the woman, the girl that we took here might also be stuck here. Yeah. Clementine, um, And it might have to do with, with her and, um, and, and, uh, the, the sheriff was nice until he was murderous. So, so people are trapped here. Sometimes they're nice. Sometimes they're, they're awful and sometimes they alternate and it seems like the, the oil man doesn't alternate and, um, we have to find a way out.
2: Okay. That part makes sense.
1: Okay. Yeah. So upside downside. Upside, downside, downside, oil man, bad, large flamethrower. Upside, there might be a way out.
2: And Charlie looks around this decrepit rest stop. Ooh, where?
1: If you guys
0: want to make an investigation check, you can see if there's another way out of here other than the front door that is currently getting another bout of flames. So perception plus investigation. Ooh, okay, okay. Nice. And you know what? I'm going to increase the difficulty to seven because you're afraid. Charlie, that definitely affects you, but not Lee, because I think Lee has concentration. Correct.
2: I still have six successes.
1: I still got three successes, which I was very proud
0: of. You both look around first towards the only exit that seems to be apparent, which is the front door. And then almost on cue, you both look at each other and then look behind you. And even though the lights are out on it, you spot the outline of an exit sign in the back. Now, it looks like you have to go down a small little hallway, but that is where the exit is possibly at.
2: Wait, what do we do when we get outside, considering he's still there and apparently there's an evil car?
1: Lee, you know, puts his hands up, says, you know what? Honestly, I don't know. I have no idea how we're possibly going to. And then he looks at his hand that is holding one of the walkie talkies. Okay, I don't have a plan, but I have something better. We have a Hank. Hank? You hear what sounds to be Hank trying to
0: communicate. It's it's really staticky. He's on the other line, but you can't really make out other than maybe a...
1: Lee! Lee! Can you Hank? hear me?
0: Hank, can Damn you hear me? Lee! Pick up! Hank! You hear the sound of beeping and the sound of, like, a car changing gears, and then it just goes out as if it, maybe it's out of range.
1: Okay, fuck. New plan. We are on our own. Um... Hank uh, has taken a a, a a fair amount of 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 skill and talent to surviving in this area. So I was really hoping he would help us out here. But with that in mind, what about we go outside, out the back, and then if it doesn't work out, we run back in.
0: And then suddenly on the radio, you hear Charlie's voice.
1: Uh, Hank's a little busy right now. He he gave it to me. Uh, it's Charlie. You both hear that coming from the radio. Without breaking eye contact with my Charlie, I just go... Yeah, I know who you are, Charlie. He
2: says that he's um, going to try to get back to the rest stop, but this, this, this thing is, 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 is on
1: his ass. Okay, thanks. That's the end of this conversation. Over and out. So, we are... What was that? Oh, we have got to start limiting our questions. Um, It, it seems like Hank and other Charlie are currently being pursued by the evil car that I mentioned earlier.
2: Wait, so the evil car isn't here?
1: No, I hope not. I hope evil Night Rider is otherwise indisposed. You hear another bout of flame hit the window.
0: Yeah. And as you look over this desk, you see that the window's glass is holding still, but it's definitely blackening.
1: Oh my God, that chair is not going to hold forever. Okay, we got to get out of here. Let's try. Um, you, you looked like you saw something out back. Oh, you both saw. There is an exit
0: sign that it, the light bulbs inside the exit sign is completely gone, but you still
1: saw it through the dark. So it's pointing you to a back door. All right. Okay, let's try that. Uh, I've got the walkie-talkie, so I'll go first. Oh,
2: why is that You volunteered. No take backs.
0: No takes backs indeed. David, you stand up and you're heading off towards the back of this place. And as you look over your shoulder, you see that the oil man still isn't advancing and he's still just staring at that front door. And since you have an endetic memory, I'm not going to make you roll for this. I'm just going to remind you, when you met that sheriff and he said the oil man couldn't come in. It seemed because there was some sort of battle of willpower, right? as if the sheriff had claimed ownership. But the sheriff did say that he's not strong enough to keep him out. Now, you don't know what's inside this rest stop, but part of you wonders if it's strong enough to keep Oil Man out for that much longer. As you look at him, you do notice he's taken a step, a single step closer to the door. But again. It's a slow advancement. Okay. But that doesn't matter because you're heading towards the back exit and what could go wrong. Exactly. I mean, ideally we won't set off the fire alarm. That would be embarrassing. You guys make it to the back door and it is basically your standard fire door. You easily push against the door rail. (laughs) There's a loud screech as a door that's not been opened for probably five, ten years, is finally forced open. And throughout the night, that echo of that screech just flies out there. And out behind this rest stop, it looks like the darkest dark you've
1: ever seen. Unless you want to turn on your flashlight, David. Heck yeah! All right, I should mention, don't go into the corn. The corn is bad. What? Yeah.
0: Lee, you activate your flashlight, and the beam slices out through the night, and The first thing you notice is right behind this place is tall weeds and past that it seems to be some sort of woods. But it's not a deep woods because you do see signs of maybe there's metal behind the woods, like a junkyard. You're not sure. But right now you don't hear the sound of footsteps running around the building. You don't hear the chirping of crickets. It's just kind of that void of silence that this place has really perfected. A soft wind rolls through those weeds, shaking them slightly. But other than that, you seem to be alone
1: with Charlie. Okay, I think we've got a chance to go through these these trees and get to the other side. It looks like there might be like a junkyard or something that we can hide in.
2: Yeah, uh, sure. Sure. Uh, that- that flashlight's got
0: plenty of- of juice, right?
1: Uh, well, I mean, uh, shoot.
0: It doesn't have those signs that it's about to fade away. It's still extremely bright, but it's not like you have a battery reader on hand.
1: Okay, look. I think we've got at least a couple of minutes before Psychopath out there can really make a move on this place. And if we're gonna go out into the woods, we should probably bring something like a first aid kit because there could be tetanus where we're going? I don't know. So let's take 60 seconds to find stuff that will help us survive. Thoughts? Thoughts specifically about how I'm right?
2: Sure. I don't think there's anything left in there except some nasty chocolate bars. How long have you been here? How long have I been there?
0: As soon as he asked that, Charlie, you get a puzzled look on your face. And while you remember running out of the bathroom after the lights exploded above you and seeing them drive off, it's it's kind of hard for you to recall how you got from that bathroom to the bus, screaming about bugs. You hadn't even taken time to kind of think it over of how weird that is. But the moment he asked, the only answer you can give him is you don't know how long you've been here.
2: Uh, I've been here, and she trails off. I've been here long enough.
1: Yeah, you've, and you've probably, obviously, seen some shit. No offense, but, you know, we've all had a rough night. Um,
2: yeah, so, yeah, definitely.
1: Okay, okay, okay. I know you probably don't wanna go back in there, but let's at least try to find, you know, like a first aid kit, a can of soda, something. I don't know how long we're gonna be out there.
0: Okay, if you guys are interested in doing this, this is gonna be a difficulty eight, not just because you're afraid, you are afraid, But it's the fact that you are literally trying to rush through this and doing it within 60 seconds. This is not a long, thorough search. This is kind of a pick a direction and glance around. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. Difficulty eight, perception plus investigation. Okay.
2: Now... Billy, I forgot to take this into account last time, though it wouldn't have affected the fact that I succeeded. But I have bad sight, so difficulty of all dice rolls involving sight is increased by two. I assume that would apply here.
0: No, th- because you have corrective lenses right now. If you ever lose those lenses, then you have to start taking those.
2: Okay. I botch.
0: You botch? Fantastic. <laughs> 1 8. David, as you are running around, just kind of trying to think like a person who would try to hide something in here, because you have to think you can't be the only person who ever accidentally crossed over. Mm. And after spinning around, your eyes lock onto something you hadn't noticed before, a very small grate that's behind one of the busted up soda machines. You reach for the grate and it falls over. You don't have to do any unscrewing. It just falls to its side. It looked like the soda machine pressing against it was the only thing keeping it up. And what you notice inside are a note written on a napkin. But it is so yellowed with age that you can only get a few words out of it. It looks almost like an apology. Dear Susan, maybe? And a few things about mistakes and lost and can't take it. I love Doug or Dwayne or something. Again, it's written on a completely crumbling napkin. But what you do find written on Sharpie on the vent inside is I only needed one in a smiley face and there's three bullets. And you're not a gun guy, but they look sort of like the same kind of bullets your gun takes Mm -hmm. nine millimeters. So you get three more bullets. Hot dog. And as you're reaching in to grab at them, David, I want you to make a dexterity uh, plus athletics
1: roll. This is to reach for them, or this is after I've reached for them? You're reaching for them. Okay, cool. Dexterity plus athletics. Three
0: successes. As you're reaching in, you scoop up the bullets. You hear something crawling in the vent system. And uh, you pull your hand away and you shine your light at the vent. But you don't see anything. But you you could have swore you heard something almost like, I don't know, skittering? But nothing's bit you, nothing grabbed you. It's just, you know what? Honestly, it probably is just you being nervous about everything in life right now, more so
1: than usual. (laughs) Yeah, just marginally more nervous than usual. And so while loading the gun, I'm two bullets down, so that leaves one bullet left over as the clip is full. And Lee looks at the part of the note that said, I only needed one, and shivers for a sec, takes out some chewing gum, pops it into his mouth, chews for a couple of seconds, spits it out, sticks the bullet in there, and then sticks the bullet and the chewing gum behind his ear, like, jamming it hard. Hope I don't need that one.
0: Angela, you are taking the opposite approach, where David is trying to think logically of where a person would hide something here. You're just kind of doing a mad scramble, pushing papers aside off the desk, looking under the desk, things like that. And then you feel as if something's watching you. Who's there? You look up and Oilman is there. He's staring through the glass finish, but he, his attention's not on you. He's looking to the left towards the women's restroom. And you yourself can feel something watching you from there. And your eyes are just locked on it. And it's almost like you're in a trance. So much so, when Lee eventually grabs your arm to draw you back to reality, nah. you don't even realize how long you've been standing there. Lee, you noticed Charlie just standing, staring at the door. And even when you called her, she just wasn't responding. Charlie? Charlie?
1: Hey, Chuck. And Charlie, your arms grabbed.
2: Hey,
1: did you find anything?
2: Uh, No, no. Okay. I told you there was nothing here. Can we, can we please go?
1: Yes, let's get out of here. Lee, as you're running back towards the
0: exit, you see that oil man's a little bit closer to the door. Just again, one step. But his attention is definitely not on the door. It's towards the women's restroom. He's staring through the glass finish uh, towards that. But for now, you guys are running towards the back. Are you
1: pausing at the fire door or are you just gonna charge right through? Oh no, we're pausing in case this asshole has friends.
0: You slowly push open the fire door, (laughs) peer around, and for now it does not look like there's anybody waiting for you. But again,
1: that tall grass is swaying. Okay.
2: What are we waiting for?
1: Um, well, I kind of want to stay out of the tall grass, but I want to get away from here. So I'm looking, and I sweep the flashlight around a couple of times. I'm looking for a way for us to get away without getting further into darkened, bush-filled areas, if that makes any sense. Charlie, as he's talking, something catches your
0: eye. The grass is kind of calling to you. The the tall grass. Not in a creepy way. It's... It's in a very familiar way, just kind of how you always feel when you want to take a picture of something.
2: I'm going to pull up my camera and take a picture.
0: Lee, you're surprised when Charlie raises her camera because you would have sworn that camera was in the car.
1: Yeah, I'm speechless. She pulls it up. Angela, go ahead.
0: You have the explanation on the merit of how to do this. First, make a perception plus awareness to see if there's-
2: Is that supposed to be alertness?
0: Uh, Yes, yes.
2: And what's my difficulty?
0: Difficulty is seven for this one.
2: Two successes.
0: Okay. With this success, roll your intelligent plus occult, determining what it means. So you can take your extra success and put it onto the dice roll here.
2: And that is one success.
0: Charlie, you raise your camera almost by instinct alone, and you take a shot. Your camera flash illuminates the night sky just so briefly, and then it spits out the Polaroid. You bring the Polaroid up, giving it a few shakes as it starts developing, and Charlie, what you're seeing right now is there is the tall grass and there is the night sky and there is the woods behind that, but in front of the tall grass. To anybody else, it would look just like a weird shadow that happened because the flash, maybe it glinted off something. But to you, it looks like some sort of dog. Some sort of dog covered in thick slime or maybe oil. You see, its back is arched, its stance is aggressive, it is angry and snarling and just almost insulted you would even think about invading its territory, but to anybody else, it's just a weird picture taken at a weird time.
2: I grab Lee's arm and force the flashlight to swing towards where the camera picked up this dog.
0: Lee, now that you have that, I'm going to have you guys work together on this. Who wants to be the one to make a perception check?
2: I have a perception of five. It's it's amazing.
0: Yeah, that's going to be Angela. <laughs> Jesus. I will give Angela an extra dice. So you'll be rolling nine dice. This is difficulty 10. All right. So Angela, what'd you roll?
2: I got one success.
0: Lee, you're a little bit startled as first your friend Charlie decides to take a picture at the worst time. And you're a little bit more worried when she grabs your hand and your flashlight and waves it towards a spot that... Is empty. But then you get extremely worried when that spot growls at you. And as somebody who doesn't watch a lot of movies, Lee, which you've established- Which I have established. Yep. You wouldn't describe it as a predator-like cloaking device, whatever's in front of you. <laughs> but it looks like somebody is wearing some sort of camouflage. No, not somebody, something. It's, uh, God, probably waist high, but yeah, that, that it's a beast of some sort. And the moment that light finally catches it, it decides to drop all pretense of just hiding. And immediately, it forms in front of you and Charlie. It's a dog, a junkyard dog that looks... Like, it is the reincarnation of evil from the Sandlot.
1: good (laughs) reference.
0: It is growling, it is bitter, it is angered, it is a psychopath, and it is completely and utterly covered in oil. And with a snarl, it takes off towards the two of you, running at you as you stand there with the door to this place wide open. So we can either roll initiative if you guys want to fight it. Nope. Or we can make a roll to see if it gets to you first or if you can close the door first.
2: Going inside.
0: I'm
1: going to shoot it. Yep.
2: I still want to go inside.
0: Okay. If Angela decides to run for it and Lee decides to shoot at this thing, Angela just gets to go in because this thing's going to be focused on Lee. So just tell me what you both are doing. Lee, what are you doing? I want to shoot it. Angela, what are you doing? I'm a run. You've decided to run, so you run back into this rest stop. Are you closing the door behind you? Yes. Okay, you close it right behind you, and you don't even realize that Lee's not with you until the door is closed. Lee, we're going to roll initiative now, Mm -hmm. because this dog is charging at you at the speed of death. Yep. So uh, go ahead and roll your initiative. That is a 14. Oh, this thing goes at 12. Woo!
1: So- Go ahead and take a shot at this creature. I would love to. And I would like to burn a willpower. (laughs) Yes, you can. I got three successes. Three successes. Great. So you take two of those dice
0: and roll them along with the weapon damage. Okay. So I got two successes. All right, so you fire at this thing and you take a good chunk out of its shoulder, but that doesn't slow it down that much. It stumbles a little bit, so when it jumps at you, it's going to have a harder time to hit you. But with its teeth, it opens up and tries to take a bite out of you. It got one success, so it gets to roll now seven dice. (sighs) Brutal. Okay, well, that's a lot of ones, but it did end up getting... Two lethal bites onto you as it latches down on your leg, just burying its teeth, and you could feel that mixture of saliva and oil just mixing with your blood. I'm probably screaming before, and then a completely different octave after. So you let out a howl of pain as this thing sinks its teeth into you. Charlie, your turn is now, after the dog. So you finally snap out of this fear-induced run and realize that Lee is still outside.
2: How far away from the door is he?
0: Not that far. I don't think he charged the dog. I think he just stayed outside as you ran inside. So I think he's like right there.
2: Is there any debris in this hallway? Like specifically, I'm looking for something like a long pointy stick that I can use to try to get the dog off of his leg.
0: You know what? I'll give you this. Since you rolled so amazingly well when you first tried to f- when you first found this place- I did. You see on the wall a fire extinguisher. Ooh! One of those old bulky brass ones, but you're able to pull it off the wall.
2: I yank this thing off the wall, use my shoulder to push the door open, <laughs> and I'm gonna spray it at the dock.
0: Okay, I guess this is firearms. Dex plus firearms to Hose this thing down. Difficulty six.
2: Uh, three successes.
0: With three successes, this thing lets out a yelp. It's not so much hurt by this thing. It's just disoriented as the pressure and the the mist must have gotten to its eyes. So for now, it's unclamping its mouth from Lee's leg and
1: stumbling away one or two steps.
2: Get inside. Get inside.
1: Lee, it's your turn. Oh, I hurl myself inside. Having bested my opponent in honorable combat.
0: (laughs) You stumble inside Lee as Charlie grabs the handle of the door and closes it. And a second or two later, that dog is slamming its body against the door, scratching at it, howling at it. And after it howls, you hear another howl. And then another one. And then another one. And after a few seconds more dogs are joining in, and it sounds like more things are scratching at the door.
2: So going out that way is a bad idea.
0: Fuck! What gave it away? Lee, your wound is gross. Like, you're sensing you should probably try to clean it out because right now you see that you have a decent bite into your shin, but it's also just mixed with a bunch of other crap.
1: Oh god, I need a bathroom. Bathroom, bathroom, bathroom. Help me, help me, help me.
2: Charlie will help him back, but I have a feeling that she's going to pause before actually going into the bathroom.
0: Charlie, subconsciously, you are not going into the woman's bathroom. You immediately take him to the bathroom that's not as close, the boy's bathroom. And you kick open the door. (laughs) And again, from our first episode, we establish this is a gross bathroom. It's utterly gross. And Charlie, you don't spend a lot of time in boys' bathrooms, so you don't know if this is like the standard,
1: (laughs) but if it is, you pretty much have given up on men altogether, if that's the case. That sounds fair. Uh, We call this level of cleanliness in men's bathrooms the animal house.
0: You do see the dirty mirror. You do see the one sink that worked last
1: time. Lee, you guys can hobble there. Okay. Uh, Fuck, 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 fuck. Water, water and soap. Water and soap. Oh, this is going to hurt so much. Yes, go ahead. Lee, you absolutely are lathering your shin up the
0: best as <laughs> you can. Mm-hmm. And and guess what? You also are a clairvoyant because it does, in fact, hurt. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. You know what? Maybe you didn't guess it would hurt this much, but yeah, it absolutely is painful. Don't forget, I think that now that's taking you down to negative one. Negative one in rolls, Yep. I'm yeah. going to be a kind storyteller since it was a targeted attack. You're only using that on physical rolls involving your foot. That is very kind. Thank you very much. I would like to roll medicine on my body, please. Go ahead, by all means. Angela, do you have any medicine? I do not. Okay, so she can't help you with this. All right, got two successes. You feel secure that this wound isn't going to get infected.
1: Okay, not infected. Yep. You feel secure that you've gotten in there nice and deep. And scrubbed out everything. So I tear off part of my shirt, wrap it around my leg to, like, staunch the bleeding and make, like, a, a just a makeshift bandage. So when I wobblingly stand up because of the, the description of my character from the first game, I'm now wearing a midriff Metallica 1980s tour shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you stand up and you wobble. Okay. Oh.
2: Are Are you going to be all right?
1: I'm fine. I'm fine. All things considered, aside from the immense amount of therapy and hospital time, that could have gone a lot worse.
0: Charlie, as he's talking to you, his back is to the mirror. And then you put it together, Charlie. You're seeing his face in the mirror, but he's talking to you with his back to the mirror, so you shouldn't be seeing his face. I should not. And uh, Lee, you are seeing Charlie looking over your shoulder, Very slowly, as if the walls were bleeding behind you, and you were giving a sales pitch. Ah, son of a bitch. And I, like, turn around. What? As you turn around, you don't see your reflection turning around, but you do see a perfect replica of you and Charlie just staring, kind of frozen in the mirror. And then your face is kind of, not distort, it's almost like a wave running down your faces. A fluttering. And then slowly but surely, a speck on your reflection's forehead, Charlie, peels away and flutters away, followed by another speck on Lee's reflection's cheek. And you realize what you're staring at now. A bunch of moths perfectly mimicking your reflection.
2: So when they flutter away, is it just within the reflection or is it in real life?
0: Real life. Again, there's only one or two fluttering away right now, and they're fluttering and one lands on a nearby soap dispenser that is now very much emptied, and the other one goes off and hangs out in the shadows somewhere, and the other ones are just kind of, they're occasionally beating their wings as if to say, like, they can flutter if they wanted to, but right now they're just chilling, and it looks like, again, a
1: perfect reflection of both you and Lee.
2: I don't want to be here anymore.
1: Yeah, All things considered, though, this is weird, but not too horrifying. And just as you say that, David, the moths on the neck
0: of both you and Charlie, they begin to shift very subtly to red. And then the moths underneath begin to have droplets of red along their wings as well, until it looks like both your throats have been slit. Uh. Okay, never mind. Let's go. And then with that, The entire reflection poofs away as all these moths launch into the air and just swarm you. Ah! If you want to escape, you need to make a dexterity plus athletics roll. Difficulty six, and they're just kind of right now getting in your face, kind of nipping at you, but they're moths, so it's not so painful. It's just absolutely terrifying. Two successes. Three successes. Well, we finally figured out what your motivation is, Lee, when it comes to sports. (laughs) You guys bolt. Even with Lee having his negative one because of his leg, he still bolts. You both make it out of that doorway and slam it shut behind you. And you just hear the fluttering of moth wings. And there seems to almost be like a storm of them, as if there's just more than there should be in there. Not just like a few hundred, like thousands. And then it's silent. Dave, Mm -hmm. you hear another gout of flame going off. And when you look back, you see the oil man is two, three steps closer to the door.
2: So how far away from the door does that put
0: him at this point? It's about five steps away from the door.
2: Okay. So scary dogs in the back, crazy fire... Thing in the front. Where, where, where did we go?
1: Okay, so uh, when we were talking to the sheriff, you weren't there, but he was. He was an all right guy until he tried to kill us. He he made it sound like whenever you're at like a place in this shitty town, that if there's already somebody at a place like a building like this one, and the oil man shows up, the oil man can't just like walk in. Right. It's kind of like a. He just can't. And I think he's afraid of the moths. That's what I'm trying to say. I think he's afraid of the moths. The moths are bad, but so is he. Uh, that's 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 as far as I've gotten on my theory.
2: But he's going to get in. He's he's walking closer.
1: Uh, yeah. There's one place that you haven't checked yet. You've been in the boys restroom. Oh, my God. Yeah, of course. All right, Charlie, I got to ask you. Are there moths in the girls bathroom? Because I don't want to walk in. I don't want to just walk in. Like I feel still I still feel wrong about that. I feel like it would be inappropriate of me. Charlie, as soon as he brings up the
0: women's bathroom, you feel like there's ants on your skin.
2: Charlie gives a full body shudder.
1: Christ is that a yes.
2: It's a bad idea to go in there. Like
1: It's the good night for bad ideas, Chuck. Okay, I'll do it. And I'm gonna shoulder open the door of the women's bathroom. flashlight in one hand, gun in the other. You push open the door to the
0: woman's bathroom, David, and Angela, even though you're terrified of this place, Charlie can't help but look inside. It is completely dark in here, but it's not filthy. It's a fairly clean bathroom, definitely just stars ahead of what your boy's bathroom looked like. As you step forward, your boots do crunch on what looks to be glass, though. And as you raise your light up, you see that one of the fluorescent lights exploded overhead. And so, aside from that, it looks like the same kind of bathroom as the boys? It does, but as your light is shining around, you spot something familiar. It's another one of those vents, but this one is much bigger. It's against the back of the wall. It looks like one of those vents
1: that someone could crawl through, if they squeezed enough. Okay, first of all, Charlie, this one is actually a lot better than the men's room. Second, I think I found a way out.
2: Oh, okay.
1: I think that this vent under here, if I'm right, connects to the air vents of the building and might be able to get us at least up to the roof. And we can hide there for until we figure out what to do. Outside bad. Air vent Good.
2: Billy, do I have any strong feelings about the air vent in particular?
1: It's not like you're
0: unable to go in there. You don't want to go in there, but given that you have literally no other choice, it's either weird moths, crazy guy flamethrower or demonic oil dogs, your bad feeling doesn't really compete with those.
2: Charlie will look at the vent again and be like, oh okay, okay we can we can we can try.
0: Great. Awesome. Okay, cool. You guys go into the bathroom, and unlike before, Lee, this vent is secured to the wall with screws. So you're going to have to figure out a way to get it open. You can either try to force it open with athletics, or you could try to find something to use as, like, a tool. That would be a wits plus crafts
1: roll. Okay. Okay. We need something to pry this open with. Um... And David can't remember if he said his character has like a Leatherman knife. I don't think you did. I don't think I did either.
0: Remember, you all right now you start off with five resources. If you guys want to spend any of those resources, you can. David, if you want to say your character has like a utility knife thing, you can tell me and I can tell me how, re- how many resources that would cost you and you would forever have that.
1: That sounds good. Lee is going to reach into his pocket and pull out his utility knife. You know, like one of those work knives that is also just big enough to act as, like, a makeshift screwdriver and, you know, cut open Amazon boxes, mostly for Lee the secondary. For two resources, you can use that, but it's not something you can
0: use to attack. You could get one attack off of it, but if you did, it would break. Okay. So, Lee, yeah, you absolutely, you pull out your little utility tool, I think it's called.
1: I'm going to open up this air vent. Yep, not a problem with the tool. You're easily able
0: to get the screws. A couple of them get a little stuck because it is rusted, but a couple shakes, a couple kicks, you're able to finally get this thing opened up. And uh, you toss the grate aside, you kneel down, you look through this vent, and you feel hot air hit your face. And the smell, oh, the smell. It smells like something's decayed in there. Uh. But with that in mind, you suddenly hear the door of this rest stop get kicked
1: open.
2: We should go in. We should should go go in.
1: All right. I'll go first. I'll go first. And I'm going to take my flashlight and climb in. David, you are easily able to squeeze yourself
0: in. You are a very thin man. And so is Angela. Thank goodness Hank isn't here. (laughs) So you're both able to kind of move your way through the vents, and it's a good thing that you didn't delay too much longer, because you're about halfway in, Angela, when you hear the door of the women's room get pushed open. And as you start crawling faster, you hear the ignition of a flamethrower as someone's aiming for your foot that's still outside. No! Go ahead and roll me a dexterity plus athletics to try to go as fast as you can to scurry deep into this thing. However, this is going to be difficulty eight because Lee's in your way.
2: Can I spend that willpower to get a plus three? Absolutely. Two successes.
0: You are pushing on Lee's ass. Move, 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 move. Probably unlike anybody has ever done before. (laughs) (laughs) Pushing him as fast as you can as that first gout of flame licks at your feet. But since he's not angled, it doesn't travel any further into the vent. And Lee, as she is pushing you to go faster, faster, you get to the point where for a second you think there's no way to go. Like, this just, this vent ends right in front of you. But then your hand falls forward and there's nothing there. And you let out a yelp as you just tumble down the slide. (laughs) And Charlie, you are not far behind him. And just as you both go down the vent, oil man must have got a better angle because there is another gout of flame and fire licks overhead as you both tumble and slide deep into the darkness of this rest stop. This is Billy, your storyteller, and I want to thank you for tuning into the Fandible Podcast Network. If you want to follow more of Fandible, go to our Twitter or Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Fandible and Facebook at Fandible Podcast Network. If you'd like to help us create more of these episodes, feel free to donate at our Patreon. You get monthly games and supplements from us, fan games, and early access to episodes. Thank you again for listening, and be careful on the long drive.
1: Hello, and welcome to The Other Place. The land of Fenrain has been on the brink of doom for years. Necromancers and the dead are rising on the edges of society, threatening life and peace across the land. Deep in the shadows, others try to unearth secret knowledge and unspeakable power. In Season 2, we follow Roberto, Talana, and Teco as they journey from Gilder, fighting the dead on a mission to stop a powerful evil. So he's just lunging at the first one there. He pulls out the weapon, gets it in both hands, rushes at the first thing, and then kind of leap jump stabs it. That way it can't get a chance to dodge out of the way. And he goes, freeze frame! And
0: like ice crystals just form over the undead creature. And Takoa like twists his trident in it and it just shatters.
2: So I come charging in. I have this great axe. So I use both my hands and I take it over my head and I chop it down. Screaming,
0: die thing! Technically it's already <laughs> undead.
2: And as it smashes into his uh, blade, it's going to bounce off and make sparks on the ground. Whoa.
1: He puffs up his big rabbit cheeks and blows through his teeth. And he gets his loot and brings
0: it down to the the chair right up to it. And he starts playing. And he starts going back into his mind. He wants to go into the other side. Wants to go where his ancestors
1: are. The notes from the lute echo back, and Tekoa hears them taking on a different sort of resonance. Little crystals of ice and frost begin to form around Roberto's feet. When Roberto opens his eyes, the river stretches out on all sides. Wow, it
0: never seems to not
1: amaze me every time I come here. Join us for the newest season of The Other Place, wherever you get your podcasts.